Hello, this is David Nickel, Dr. Zelenka from Stargate Atlantis, and you are listening to Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. Thanks for being here. Live long and prosper. Bad feeling about this. So say we all. This is going to get pretty interesting. Divine interest. Oh God, oh God, we're all going to die? Only try to realize the truth. There is no spoon. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. This is episode 79. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. And hello, I am Miles P. McLaughlin. And Miles, it is great to be back on the air with you, chatting about sci-fi goodness, of which there is much. Very much so. I've uh, enjoyed a lot of some of the new shows that have come back last week. Looking forward to uh, Caprica. Uh, that's coming. That's, they'll be coming up tonight. So, yeah, uh, tonight. So we actually are going to miss the premiere. Uh, you will, because you're going to be good at work. I could actually probably catch it, because we'll be done recording by the time we're... That comes on, but <clears throat> I have not watched Stargate Universe yet. I'm ashamed to admit. I just haven't had time. It was involved with a huge Haitian benefit that my wife was. You, you heard the promo on the show, listeners. Paying attention to the Pascal podcast, we've had, we had uh, played a promo, and we had a huge benefit for it, and that took up all my time last week, so I didn't watch a darn thing. Except Fringe. Fringe I watch. Fringe. Fringe, Fringe, Fringe. I made the mistake of watching Fringe uh, while eating my breakfast. Ooh, and last week's episode was a great one to watch breakfast to. I know. <laughs> <laughs> exploding heads. Yes. Explode, exploding midget heads. It's better yet. <laughs> oh, man. And oh, brains. it's a good time. What was that? And all the brains. And definitely all the brains that you could have. Is that strawberry jam or raspberry jam in your tie? Oh, that was nasty. <laughs> it was funny, though. I got to give that. It was oh, man. I was busting Dan's chop. If you haven't, guys, and this is a big quick plug, but if you haven't listened to Wayne and Dan's Taking the Fringe, these guys take a show and just dress it down and you know strip it down and talk about all the, the, the things that happen in the show. And I busted his chops And when I said in my segment for this week about how, Dan, if there's something in your tie, you do not want to eat it, yeah. <laughs> especially if you're working with brains. Right. Do you know? Do you know the website that really changed my life this week, though? No, you have to share that. It is. It, it just go ahead. You type it in right now as we're doing the show. It's called doihaveinternet.com. dot com. Go ahead, type it in. Okay. We'll, we'll wait for you, Miles. We will. You hear the clicking of the keyboard there? He's furiously typing. Okay, I put it in Google. No, you put it in the search book. Okay. Are in the uh, URL bar, and it said yes. <laughs> yes, uh, isn't your life changed? <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel better knowing that. <laughs> it's good. It's good that you have internet. Now we want to Skype hell tonight. This incredibly useful service by uh, Sean Grenier. <laughs> right, right, right. Thank you, Sean, for that incredibly useful service. Uh, B. Harn's life has changed, as was Hearn's, by the way. They absolutely <laughs> uh, were enlightened by it, and we're, we're grateful that we let them know that they indeed have internet. Mm -hmm. But well, let's go on into the menu tonight. We have a pretty fabulous interview tonight. We do. Um, this uh, gentleman we'll be speaking with. He, he has been on a lot of stuff and uh, tons and it, tons of stuff that we like. Yes, I, I, absolutely. And, and he's got a, a great new project which we're going to talk about too. Yep. And uh, do we do we tell them the name or do we make them wait? We got to tell him. Uh, David okay. Nichol, from, who most of you will probably know from Stargate Atlantis, he was Rodney McKay's assistant that constantly was getting badgered and belittled by, uh, by, uh, by Mr. McKay himself, David Hewitt. And so we are we're getting the chance to interview him. He was not only there, but he was on Fringe, Human Target. And many, many other shows. Sanctuary he was on. He's done mm -hmm. some guest stints in all those shows. And we are just honored and excited to be chatting with him all from across the USA, from a good old California, I believe is where he's at tonight. And we're going to be chatting with him. I believe that's where he's at. We'll find out tonight. Not a real big deal. But mm -hmm. we have yet to do that interview, as you can obviously tell. We'll be doing it after we actually record this segment of the show. 
But so that'll be one big piece of news. We have, of course, Star Trek trivia carryover from last week with an awesome prize we'll be getting to in just a little bit. And then we break up the uh, show into our different segments. We will be trying to do a listener feedback segment this week. If we don't, we will uh, – oh, we'll, we're going to try and get it in. That's just it. We're going to try and get it in. I guess big news uh, or in TV news is we're going to be talking about Warehouse 13. Has it been review, renewed? Re- reviewed? It's been reviewed. Has it been renewed? We'll let you know. We have Wonder Woman. It's coming back to the small screen. At least that's a rumor. Monty Python turns 41 today. And we'll be talking a little bit about that. Oh, what other news do we have? In movie news, we have uh, news on Transformers 3. Um, we have news on The Hobbit. As if it couldn't be set back more, it gets set back a little bit again. Uh, we'll be talking about the full trailer for the sci-fi thriller Skyline. We saw a teaser trailer before. Now there's a full trailer out. We'll be talking a little bit about that. We have news on who is going to be the new Superman villain in the Superman reboot. And that's cool. Very cool. Yep. Missed an adventure game that I played way, way back in the late 80s, early 90s. Maybe it was mid-90s. One of the best-selling adventure game ever. It heads to the big screen, finally. And it's going to be great. At least I'm hoping it'll be great. Miles, you're going to give us a DVD reviews on Superman, Batman, Apocalypse. Apocalypse is still spelled wrong, Miles. Um, <laughs> and then uh, Miles is going to bring us a twist and uh, some news about... Sir Patrick Stewart in Star Wars versus Star Trek. And we're going to wrap up with the Sci-Fi 5 and 5 by none, other than, by none other than Jen from New York, who gives us her five movies that people that are non-sci-fi watchers would like. So, full pack show, Miles. we got a great menu tonight. It is an awesome menu. Well, let's not dilly-dally. Let's, let's, let's go on into the trivia. Okay. Well, we asked last time um, what popular... African-American comedian back in the 80s was originally considered to play the cetacean biologist in Star Trek The Voyage Home. And the answer is? You can't We're not telling you. Yet. Yeah, we aren't telling you yet, but <laughs> if, yeah, but the prize, what's the prize? Tell them about the prize. I mean, this is a really cool thing here. Um, 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 Ms. Hicks was, was very nice to uh, give us an autographed picture uh, of herself uh, depicting uh, her character, uh, Dr. Jillian Taylor, with uh, with uh, Captain Kirk, so you'll have a nice uh, shot of them too, and where she autographed it. And if you and if you win it, and you're and if you're at a convention where William Shatner is at, you can get him to autograph it, and that'll just be a nice, uh, nice, nice thing for your uh, collection. Yes, and, and by the way, Miles begged me to let him keep it, and I won't let him. So just so you know, he's so mean. It is. I am extremely mean. If you would like a shot at that prize, please. Email us the correct answer, and your name will go into a drawing or a pool. The answers need to be emailed to me by the 12th, by October 12th. And uh, email them at the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast at gmail.com. You can also call them in at 1-888-508-4343 or DM us on Twitter at the Sci-Fi Diner. Our son of Worf, our heart sag, and they will all get to us. And we'll put your name into the pool. We already have a couple people that have answered the question. But you really have to know your geek stuff to know this. So prove your geekness by answering this question. That's just it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Well, let's move into our first promo of the night. Our first promo plays right into the interview you will be doing later on. This is a promo for a podcast, a British podcast, I believe, called The Gatecast. And these guys are going back and reviewing past Stargate episodes on DVD and talking about them and... Wow, what a great way to kind of relive some of the, the great moments of the Stargate franchise. Make oh, yeah. sure you check them out. Hi, I'm Alan. And I'm Mike. Do you like Stargate SG-1? Did you think it was all over? We didn't, and so the Gatecast was born. We are two guys with far too much time on our hands and are exploring the stories of Stargate Command, episode by episode. With commentary about our favorite SG team's adventures. You mean the girly kick-ass team from Atlantis? No. We're talking about Jack O'Neill, Sam Carter, Daniel Jackson, and Teok, who make up SG-1 along with Dr. Fraser, Walter, and General Hammond, who lead the human race towards new worlds, where people have certainly been before, and some a long, long time ago. Each week, a new episode will be discussed along with news and listener comments. So search for Gatecast on iTunes or use your chosen podcatcher. Or visit us at gatecast.facecast.com or our Facebook page. And join in the fun. We guarantee all comments will be read out. Gatecast. By fans. 
forefronts. Good news for you, Miles. Start us off with some TV news. Tell us about what Allison Scagliotti tweeted this week, and boy, is it awesome. Yeah, this this makes me very happy. It's not a huge surprise, but just good to get confirmation about this. Uh, Absolutely. So, so uh, Miss Scagliotti confirms it's true. Season 3 is officially official. Uh, Sci-Fi's Warehouse 13 is getting a third season. After weeks of rumors, uh, the cable network is set to announce a 13-episode pickup. Showrunner Jack Kenny will, will, will be on board for another round and to sign a developmental deal with Universal Cable uh uh, productions during its second season, Warehouse averaged 3.4 million viewers and 1.5 million in adults, 18 to 49 demographic, making Sci-Fi's most watched series this year. Jack Kenny's superlative leadership and the incredible talent of his cast and the crew delivered an outstanding second season of Warehouse 13. Sci-Fi program chief um, Mark Stern said, "We're excited to see this successful series return next year and to developing our next hit with uh, Jack." Well, we are excited too, Sci-Fi. We are very excited about this. Yeah, this was awesome. This is awesome. I actually couldn't believe that we didn't hear while the series was still running that they had announced they were going to renew it. Mm-hmm. But I guess it's not uncommon for shows not to be renewed before the end. But I don't know. I always like when they kind of make these mid-season announcements of it's going to be renewed or it's going to be canceled because then I feel like it gives the show a little bit of time to bring some closure. Oh, yeah. Although, uh, let's, let's talk about this, Miles. Could they have ended Warehouse 13? Not that we say they wanted to, but could they have ended it with this cliffhanger? Um, yes and no. I mean, they, they, they sort of resolved the H.G. Wells story thread, but it would have left, left the fans um, dissatisfied if that's where, where it was going because it, it, it left it at a place where you don't know what's going on with Micah, I mean, um, I mean, we see her. She decides she has a you know a crisis of, um, I guess, of her competency and her abilities. So, no, I, I don't think this would have been a good place to leave it at because yeah. it, it, it 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 could take off to some more stories afterwards. I will tell you, it would be a better place to leave it than they left Flash Forward. And that right. Flash Forward, you're just kind of left in the lurch, saying, "Okay, well, that's done. Nice spending a season with you." Yeah. So, Oh, in our next piece of news, happy 41st birthday or anniversary to Monty Python's Flying Circus. The first episode was broadcast on October 5th, 1969. That's the date that we are now recording this show. By the time you hear it, it'll be a few days after. But hats off to you, Monty Python. And to that, we just say neat. Hey, I just uh, a couple weeks ago saw Spamalot at uh, at the Fulton Opera House. And you know, uh, it was Phenomenal. Yeah, talk about a show that spawned, you know, here we have now a Broadway show, you know, mm-hmm. off of it. Um, and, you know, this is one of the iconic, I bet I saw Holy Grail like 13, 14 times. Man, there were some classic moments in that show. Oh, oh yeah. Um, and also Life of Brian was a good, good one, too. Right. And then there was The Meaning of Life, which is absolutely just wrong. <laughs> Did you see that one? I can't. I, I've seen bits and pieces. I haven't seen the whole. Yeah, I'm finish. not going to sing Every Sperm Sacred, but. You know, <laughs> that, that, that's that's good. That's probably good. You don't want to hear me sing, period. Miles, bring us into the next piece of news before I get myself in trouble. Listen, well, I saw uh, there is an effort to bring Wonder Woman back to the small screen. Uh, this is, has to be the highest profile effort to bring Wonder Woman to television. One of TV's best known creators, the practice uh, David E. Kelly, has has come on board to write and produce a new series project about the female superhero. The project from Warner Brothers Television, where Kelly is based, and Warner Brothers DC Entertainment will be taken out to network shortly. Kelly, who has uh, created several female-centered shows like Ally McBeal, has wanted to tackle a contemporary take on the World War II era of Amazon. He recently met with the DC team, who has been looking for ways to launch a new uh, Wonder Woman TV franchise. Um, I know somebody who I would like to see get the part of Wonder Woman. We, we've talked to her at length last year, uh, Miss Miracle Laura. I think she would make a great Wonder Woman. Yeah, because, you know, at least in the traditional way that Wonder Woman has been viewed, she's not your traditional skinny Hollywood girl. She is right. a, she's an Amazon, and they're, 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 they're a little bit beefier. That's not not a derogatory. Am I getting myself in trouble by saying that, Miles? 
You may want to use a different adjective. Okay. Um, um, she is she's more Amazon like. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna just go with that. That's it. That's all I can think of tonight. I'm gonna get myself in trouble. Sorry, America. Email coming now. Yep, yep. Anyways, uh, what do you think about bringing Wonder Woman back to the modern generation? Does she fit into a modern generation society here? That's a tough one. Um, I would like them to see maybe explore, you know, her origins in World War II, and then maybe bring her to the present. Uh, with, with Smallville coming. To a close this season, they could use another you know superhero genre show. So it'll be uh, we'll just see how how how, how they how they uh, how they uh, make it work. I always I was a big fan of the '70s series with Linda Carter. I thought that was pretty good. And every now and then I'll maybe watch an episode for nostalgia, you know. But um, but I agree with you. I mean, Wonder Woman. I mean, let's just face it, she is not uh, not the typical. Hollywood, you know, skinny girl. I mean, she's, you know, a um, little taller, a little stronger, still very attractive, though. And uh, so ho- hopefully they'll they'll find somebody in that mode. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of tired of the, what, the, what the Hollywood standard is for women right, these days. Right. Well, you know, there's been this whole rumor of a Wonder Woman uh, movie that's been in development, uh, which, you know, J- Joss Whedon was attached to at one point in time and never came to fruition. So it would be mm-hmm. nice, I guess, to maybe see a little bit something related to Wonder Woman back on the screen. I, I would definitely give it a watch if it came. I mean, me too. Yeah, me too. And, and I think with, Glory, uh, Go ahead. Glory, I think, would be, would be great for this. I mean, she actually kind of resembles Linda Carter a little bit to begin with. And I'm trying to remember. She she's not quite six feet tall. She's probably about maybe, you know, five nine, five ten or so. So uh, um, physically, she would have she would fit the type for that that role. I would think. Yeah, I, I would I would think so too. I would think mm-hmm. so too. And I and, I, and my, she would have my vote. No, hands down, she would have my vote. Yeah. So, anyways, so that's Wonder Woman, and we're excited about that. Let's move on into some movie news. And we had mixed feelings, you and I, about the last two movies. I know that we differed on which one we thought was better, but tell us a little bit about this news. Well, in, in Transformer 3 news, uh, Shia LaBeouf, he says Transformer 3 is the best of the series. However, many of us were disappointed by uh, Transformers Revenge of the Fallen. If you're one of them, as I was, actor Shia LaBeouf has good news. He says the, the currently filming Transformers 3 is the best in the series. The script is the best script we've, we've ever had. Uh, the first movie we had, The Discovery, and this movie really is the fruition of the rhythm we've created out of five years working together. I'm super proud of this movie. He also vows this will be the last time we see him in the series. There's no more for me, at least. I'm going. I'm never going to do it again. This is the last one, so it's uh, uh, balls out, he says. This is the best movie we've made, period, and that's an unanimous decision by everybody. This is a reel that uh, um, director Michael Bay has been showing everybody on. It. It's so outrageous. I'm very, very proud of it. The film is still in production. He definitely puts it, you know, he, he definitely, he's definitely putting it over. Yeah, well, you know, he has to sell it. He definitely has to sell it. A mm-hmm. sizzle reel. I never even heard of that term before. That's a new term for me. Me too. I, 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 I'll have to – what is a sizzle reel? It must be the teaser they show the actors. That's all I can figure out. If anyone out there knows what a sizzle reel is, let me know. Or maybe that's just a Shia LaBeouf term. That, that could be too. Yeah, well, you know, you know, quite frankly, it's glad this last time we'll see him in the series. You know, because, you know, you don't really watch a series like that because of Shia LaBeouf. Right. You watch it because see- of Megan Fox. Well, <laughs> okay. Oh. We'll, we'll be just we'll, we'll be disappointed this movie because she's not in it. But, That's um, right. She's not going to be in it. They hired someone else, some Victoria's Secret model, right? But uh, I want to see you know giant robots, you know, you know, fight and destroy stuff. Oh, absolutely. And and here's the thing, you know, he kind of busted on the second movie. And the second movie wasn't absolutely terrible, in my opinion. It's had its moments, uh, but it also had its moments that it was a bit over the top. But I. Hey, I'm looking forward to see Transformers 3. It's a movie I will probably see in the theater. Oh, me too. Because you just can't just can't capture it on the small screen. There's just no way. But I'm glad that we got this news and that he has high hopes for it. So uh, if his word stands for anything, let's, uh, let's hope for the best for Transformers sure. 3. On to some Hobbit, 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 Hobbit. I can't speak tonight. On to some Hobbit. Yeah. Uh, on... To some Hobbit news, the Hobbit movie had a setback again when it was hit by a blaze. A movie studio in New Zealand, which was 
due to host filming The Hobbit, has been wrecked in a serious fire. The Portsmouth Miniature Studio in Wellington was used to film the iconic scenes for Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings trilogy and its monster movie remake of King Kong and has been booked for the use in the upcoming blockbuster which the director will produce. Fire crews were called to the building Friday morning after they spent three hours tackling the monster's blaze, which caused extensive damage to the structure. No one was hurt, according to the local reports. Matthew Dravitsky, spokesman for Jackson's Wing, for Jackson's Wingnut Films production company, has confirmed they had been due to film scenes for The Hobbit there. He tells New Zealand Press, it would have been used for shooting The Hobbit, yes. It's a specialist miniature shooting facility. It's one of the only ones in the world. I can't comment this point as to whether the damage will cause a problem. I probably won't know until after the weekend. Dravisky also revealed that the items in the commercial sense, items of commercial sensitivity relating to the project were stored in the building. The news is the latest in a long line of setbacks hit The Hobbit, the film which has been languishing in pre-production due to the ongoing financial problems of MGM Studios and directors Guillermo del Toro quit due to lengthy delays. The movie hit headlines again last week when New Zealand's Actors Union pronounced plans to boycott the film over working conditions for local performers. The action has prompted movie bosses to consider moving the shoot away from New Zealand if the dispute is not resolved. Well, it sounds like The Hobbit is going through Hobbit hell right now. That's all I can say. Yeah, they're really, they're really having a hard time, you know, getting this film. Uh, I mean, at least, at least we know that they, they had, you know, sets and everything, and but now they, they had a fire. I mean, this is uh, not good. Well, you know, they don't really say that anything was destroyed. The, the, the story says they don't know at this point. I mean, maybe mm-hmm. they do now, but when, when this article came out, they didn't know whether anything was touched on. So it may not have affected that. But, you know, a strike, a fire, I don't know, there's some bad omens going about The Hobbit. And that makes me sad because I really want to see Bilbo and Gandalf and Gimli and everyone else back on the screen again. Oh, me too. So I, I hope they get together and uh, finally start filming this movie. Yeah, you hear that? Hear from Miles. He said, get it together. Get it together, yes. man. <laughs> get it together. We want to see The Hobbit. Stop. Stop slacking. Yes, stop. Quit setting fires. Yes. <laughs> stop playing with fire. Go run on the road instead. In other news, we have our first full trailer for the sci-fi thriller Skyline, and we get to see the alien creature. This is kind of cool. Miles, did you have a chance to check out this trailer? I have not, but now I really want to. Yeah, you have to. It, it looked really awesome. I'm going to embed it in the show notes so you can check it out. But basically, here's what this little write-up says about it. The first full trailer for the small-budgeted yet impressive alien movie, Skyline, has made its way out via Apple. Of course, Apple. iPhone, Mac. It starts right when the aliens come to Los Angeles and wake up the citizens. Once humans stare to the light coming out from the spaceships, they are swallowed. A band of survivors plans to go as far as they can from the city before the entire population is taken from Earth. But their efforts and help and the help sent for them are easily destroyed by the huge alien creature. Skyland is made by director brothers Colin and Greg Strauss with only a crew of about 20 people. Donald Faison, Eric Balfour, David Zayas, Scotty Thompson, and Brittany Daniel are among the cast ensemble of the sci-fi movie, which will open the U.S. theaters November 12th. If you get a chance to check out this movie, uh, this trailer, it's absolutely phenomenal. Phenomenal. It reminds me a little bit of an X-Files episode, the way they film it. But it's very cool. Very cool. And it's kind of horror-esque. You know, I'm not into these horror movies, but I think it's maybe more maybe it's more horror, thriller than it is like horror. Like When I think horror these days, I think of gore, and it doesn't have the mm-hmm. gore that I'm thinking. But mm-hmm. I don't know. It makes me want to see it. Well, I'll definitely check this trailer out. I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to see it in theaters, but it's definitely one that I'm going to rent if I don't see it in the theaters because there's only a limited amount I can get to the theater and see it. Oh but, yeah. But Miles, this piece of news is awesome. Uh, th- this makes me happy. Uh, um, Neil before Zack Snyder, Zod confirmed for Superman reboot. So we know we are getting a Superman reboot. Now that we know we'll be direct, who will be directing the Superman reboot. What do we know about the reboot itself? Only the most important thing, the identity of the villain who will be facing off against the Man of Steel as a film's uh, big bad. Um, according to Geek Tyrant, uh, David Goyer wrote the script for the film and it's rumored to have a connection to the Richard Donner Superman films as well. That connection is the villain, General Zod. What do you think? Is Zod the right choice for the film's major villain? Or would you prefer the, the Zack Snyder reboot go f- with some other members of the rogues gallery such as uh, Bizarro or Brainiac? So, what do you what, what do you guys, the listeners, think? And Miles, what do you think? 
Well, I'm happy that they are going to make another Superman movie, but what's a Superman movie without Lex Luthor? Uh, I know. So I wonder, I wonder if we'll, we'll see um, Lex Luthor and who will play him. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, um, we had Lex in the last movie, right? That is true. And so, you know, when you do, you, you don't want him to fight Lex all the time. And so I'm I'm all for him having a new villain. And they kind of developed Zod over the past season of Smallville. So, right. I'm kind of stoked for it. I mean, I'll go see it. If Superman comes to the theater, I'll go see it. Oh yeah, I, I won't wait for DVD. I'll go see it. Do we? And we don't. It's too early to tell who's playing what. I guess this movie's just kind of in development. Is that right? That's all we have so far. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in our last piece of news before we hit a DVD renew, uh, review is. And this I'm stoked about because I played this for hours on end when I was a teenager. And that is Miss, the best-selling adventure game of all time, heads to the screen, the big screen. It's a weird class-ass island-based adventure game, video game, on its way to the big screen, courtesy of producers from behind the Chronicles of Narnia films and Donnie Darko. Dorm room lava lamps not included. For a good long while there, 1993's Mist was the best-selling PC game of all time. And what enticed players was the immersive, mysterious world they could explore filled with magic, secrets, feuding brothers, and books that served as portals to other worlds. It's like Lost, but without the plane crash or Walt. Inside, Aside from a number of game sequels, Mist also spawned a trio of novels. Mist, the book of Atreus. Mist, the book of Titania. And Mist, the book of Denny. Dunny, I think that's the way you pronounce it, and filled out the game's mythology, and that will serve as a foundation for the feature film story. Our aim with this project is to stretch the genres into the op- it operated within, much like the source material did. The myst- said Mysteria film groups, Adrian uh, Vanderbosch, who is partnering with Mark Johnson of Narnia and Hunt Lowry of Donnie Darko for the film. It's such an innovative property, by utilizing the novels as a primary resource, we have the opportunity to offer audiences the essence of myth without being limited only to the famous island of the first game. Our focus has always been on creating an entirely new and visual experience driven by the engaging characters and the epic narrative. So, Miles, I am absolutely stoked. I have those three novels, by the way. Mist has been around for like like for a while, so it and and still has a huge following. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, almost twenty years, almost twenty years. By the way, if you ever get a chance to check out the books, I have the hardbound books. They are absolutely beautifully put together. Put together books. There's there's an art in the way they're put together. They're like the pages have this orange coloring, but it's not on the place that you read. It's like the edging of it's orange. It's absolutely beautiful. It's like you're holding a book that was made in like the 1600s or something. And it's a beautifully done. It has this faux leather cover with the with like the faux metal corners, and it's it's just great. It's a real beautiful experience, and they're actually they're really good stories. I really enjoyed reading them. Makes you want to go back and read them again. Very good. Very so nice. I will have to do that. Miles, why don't we round out our news by you talking a little bit about our DVD, a DVD review, a movie that you saw. Well, I haven't seen it yet, but I'm just uh, want to make the listeners aware. If you are into the uh, the, the films that Justice League and DC Comics put out, uh, there's a new one. Um, it's actually on my on my Netflix queue now. Uh, Superman, Batman, Apocalypse. Uh, I, I can't wait to watch it. Um, but just to give you an idea, the voices, voice talents. Um, if you watched uh, Batman and Superman the Animated Series, and then Justice League. Uh, you'll recognize the voices. Uh, Tim Daly is going to do Superman. Uh, Kevin Conroy, Batman. Uh, Supergirl is going to be voiced by Summer Glau. Uh, Darkseid is going to be voiced by Andre Brower. And uh, I am really looking forward to uh, this coming in the mail so I can watch it. Yeah, I, I can't wait. I, I'm, I'm going to get it and just watch for Supergirl. So, and <laughs> just, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, me too. But, uh, but uh, listeners, I mean, if, if you, the first time you ever watch these, um, these are standalone movies. They're not necessarily, you know, there's no continuity between them and what you may have seen Justice League. It's just a, a standalone piece by itself. And so um, the story could, you know, could go any direction. Well, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Thanks for sharing that. Well, this week in Star Trek, uh, there is a new uh, Star Wars versus Star Trek uh, uh, viral trailer. Uh, with the advent of uh, the internet and things you can do with computers now, you can you can make your own trailers. And 
it, it's very well done. It's very it's, it's, it's very attractive looking. Obviously, it splices scenes from um, from from the Star Trek Next Generation movies to the Star Wars movies, and a little bit from the, the last Star Trek film. So it's just an enjoyable little two minutes or so uh, little trailer. It's probably it's something we'll never get, but um, we can always dream. Yeah, always dream that Roddenberry's heritage and Lucas's heritage which went up to today. Yes. Uh, and uh, in your next piece of Trek news? Uh, listeners, I would direct you to StarTrek.com. There's a great interview with uh, Sir Patrick Stewart. I'm just going to read you a very brief excerpt. Uh, Sir Patrick Stewart uh, once feared that Star Trek and his iconic status as a Captain Jean-Luc Picard from Star Trek Next Generation would prove to be an albatross around his neck. It didn't turn out that way, of course. Post-Star Trek, uh, Stewart has engaged in a remarkable, expansive array of work, including roles on Broadway, on the West End and films and television programs. His voice, that, that sonorous, authoritative voice, has been heard in everything from uh, documentaries, commercials, video games, and animated shows and features. Some credits include the blockbuster X-Men features, uh, Lion of Winter, Antony and uh, Cleopatra, The Ride Down, uh, Mr. Morgan, Macbeth, Eleventh Hour, Hamlet, American Dad, and Waiting for uh, uh, Godot. I don't know if I pronounced that right, but uh, he has had a, I mean, Star Trek has not, I mean, unfortunately for some people uh, who have who've had regulars in it, it's kind of, um, uh, what's the right word? Um, it, it's it's typecast to them. But for Patrick Stewart, he has been able to uh, move on to do some uh, other uh, great things as well. And that interview is available on StarTrek.com. Right. I think one of my favorite things he's done outside of Star Trek was the Charles Dickens Christmas Carol. Mm-hmm. His yeah, that, that, ver- his version of it is just beautifully done. Mm-hmm. So I'm all yeah. for it. So, yep, it's a, it's a really good interview. Uh, so check it out on StarTrek.com. Absolutely. Well, thank you for this week at Star Trek. Well, before we go into our interview, we have one last promo that we're going to play for you. And this is from our good friends at TrekCast. Some of the people that you've heard on the show have been on TrekCast. And uh, it's well done. And they just talk about everything Trek. And they're probably right. uh, they, they have to be one of the premier podcasts in track. I would think so. Yeah, yeah. So here's a promo, and if you haven't done so, make sure you check them out. <laughs> you know, see, it's like hey, I still got a little Star Trek in me. I'm built up mid 21st century civilian clothing. <laughs> well, next time you see a guy that looks like Wolverine, poke me. Yeah. <laughs> Highball and cocktail. Highball, like cocktail. Oh god, this is getting bad. You're listening to. TrekCast, the Star Trek podcast, www.trekcast.com. Listen to TrekCast, it'll save your virtual life. (laughs) Ready? Take one. A serpent, possibly a plesiosaur of indeterminate size. Big. Think Loch Ness. It will be the greatest zoological find in the history of marine biology. Why the Ogopogo? Well, I, I grew up on Lake Okanagan, and the old beast has fascinated me ever since my first encounter. You've seen it? We're looking for the Ogopogo. Ogopogo? It's just like his father. Thankfully, not too much. I couldn't take it. Going to find the beast of Bottomless Lake. We are on the cusp of a new era. Ah! <laughs> It's resting area. That's a lot of speculation, Dr. Moran. We cannot track the beast. Pogo Pogo is for sale. Get your Pogo before they go-go. Ah, let's go fishing. Okay, you're going to place live electrical wires in the water. Electricity attracts the beast. Oh, no. I could rig up a charging mechanism that would attract Ogopogo to us. Isn't that dangerous? Not if you know what you're doing. Well, have you ever done this before? (laughs) No. (laughs) Why? Let's take off to the lake like we used to. 
Ladies and gentlemen, if you're fans of such shows as Human Target, Fringe, Sanctuary, Eureka, Psych, and Seven Days, uh, you'll be delighted to know we are speaking with uh, Mr. David Nichol, who has guest starred on such great shows and has been a regular playing uh, Dr. Zelenka on Stargate Atlantis. Uh, Mr. Nichol, welcome and thank you for taking time to talk with us on the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. Thank you very much, Miles, and congratulations for making it through the uh, that minefield of names. I know. Oh. I mean, I mean he, you know what? He could have added a ton of other science fiction shows that you've been kind of guest starred on. Is there? A, is, do you have affinity for science fiction shows? Well, you know, it's funny. I get asked that, but uh, it doesn't really happen that way. I mean, I have an affinity, of course, for uh, for science fiction shows, but uh, it's not me that does the choosing. It really is the people that are that are putting me in these things. So, uh, it also has a lot to do with uh, the Vancouver and how Vancouver has 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 become. Uh, I just saw an. Um, a story on it in the CBC, how Vancouver has become a hotbed for, uh, it has actually been a hotbed for a long time for of, of, of science fiction. So it's just kind of what's around and uh, what I go out for. So I, I guess, yeah, I guess it has become an affinity, but it's an affinity that I certainly am proud of and I uh, really do enjoy. Yeah, well, we love seeing you in the science fiction shows that you certainly have been in. Uh, among some of our favorites, Fringe, I'm a huge Human Target fan. I forgot that you were in Human Target. Just for that one yeah, time. that was a fun, that was a fun one. That was, uh, we just did that one about, uh, Oh, it's clocking about a year now, but right. uh, Mark Valley and uh, those guys were great to work with. Uh, uh, great concept for a show and a really uh, fun episode, that one. That's the one where we were in the airplane. Right, right. Yeah, so that's totally cool. Well, tell us a little bit about Beast from Bottomless Lake. You know, dun, dun. A, lot, a lot of our listeners will not have been familiar with this movie, and it's kind of making its rounds in the uh, international circuit and has won numerous awards, but tell us a little bit about it. Well, absolutely. The Beast of Bottomless Lake started as a labor of love with uh, uh, two friends of mine that uh, I've known for uh, several years, Craig March and, and Kennedy Goodkey. The Beast of Bottomless Lake basically follows the story of Paul Moran, who's a cryptozoologist, uh, uh, in his quest for finding the mythical Ogopogo. And the Ogopogo is, um, much like the Loch Ness in Scotland, a uh, a, a quasi-mythological figure that lives in Lake Okanagan in, in British Columbia's interior, just about four or 500 uh, kilometers away from here. So we uh, packed uh, our uh, our script and all of our actors together, threw them into a, into a, a camper van and uh, went up to uh, Lake Okanagan and uh, began filming The Beast of Bombless Lake about uh, two years ago. It took a long time to, to put it through post and to get it all edited together into, uh, in, into the final product, which has just debuted uh, a few days ago at uh, VCon here in Vancouver at the uh, at the science fiction convention. And uh, for all intents and purposes, it's really uh, turning into a quite, uh, quite a little indie darling. We've uh, um, already had it up at the um, Okanagan Film Festival in Kelowna, where we won the Audience uh, Appreciation Award or the Audience Favorite Award, and in Mississauga, where I think we uh, we also won Best Feature for the uh, at the Mississauga Film Festival. So, in its in its sort of baby steps towards getting out there, it's uh, it's already uh, uh, ticked a f- um, uh, had a few successes. No, and that and that's awesome. Tell me, uh, you know, it's kind of. It reminds me of uh, a bit of a. It's a bit of a comedy, right? Mm. It's kind of the way it's, it plays it's, it's off? more than a bit of. A, it's more than a bit. A comedy. Um, the the um, if, if you actually Google Beast of Bottomless Lake, what you'll you'll, you'll find. Um, is apart from uh, links to us, you'll also find uh, links to an episode of Scooby Doo from the seventies, also oh, called right. the Beast of the Lake. And uh, the parallels are not uh, not entirely um, un, uh, unbecoming. It, it's very similar. It's a team of five people that, uh, under a very um, uh, m- well, very driven, uh, almost Ahab like in uh, if uh, almost Ahab like. Uh, uh, leadership of, uh, of of Paul Moran uh, go after this uh, this this beast this uh, this the so called Ogopogo and everything of course that can go wrong does go wrong and uh, so it sort of it's it's it follows their trials and tribulations in uh, in in finding this thing. Oh, very cool. And now it's based on a real myth, right? Yeah, it is. It's 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 based on the and and. 
many people still believe that there is a, an Ogopogo. Uh, lake Okanagan is a, is a, is a very deep lake and, uh, goes from Kelowna all the way up to Vernon and down to Osoyoos in the, uh, in, in BC's, uh, beautiful Okanagan country. Uh, and because it's a deep lake and has a very, uh, uh, many different layers of, uh, of sediment, they never have been really able to fully dredge or, or, or actually, uh, f- find the full depths of this, of this lake. And there's many reports of, uh, of, of sort of like, um, humped backed creatures that have been, uh, sighted on the lake. And people sometimes think it's wakes from boats or, or sturgeons or particular large types of fish. But there's been a myth around uh, the Okanagan, around the Ogopogo for many, many years now. Oh, very cool. Very cool. Well, Miles, yeah. uh, do you have any, uh, do you have a question here? I'm doing Just follow, question. yeah. A follow is, uh, is the movie available on DVD now? Cause I have, how, uh, People interested can, can watch it. Yeah, unfortunately not. We've just sort of uh, put it through into some of the, got it into some of the um, film festivals here in uh, in uh, the Okanagan and in, in Mississauga. So we're just getting it uh, out there. The DVD is 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 on its way, I understand. But I think what we need to do is still get it out to a couple more festivals first. Right. Now, getting okay. it out, getting it out to the festivals will that will that enable to hit obviously it hits the critics and it hits the people that attend the festival but does will that eventually work its way into the independent film circuit or will it uh because um, I mean there are independent film companies or, or theaters around where our area where we're at in the east coast here but uh or will it make it into the mainstream theater I mean where's the goal what's the hope for indeed yeah well the, the the goal and the hope is to get a distribution deal and and to get someone to be able to actually make the DVDs and to and and to put it out into a into a broader um uh, public domain um you know of course we we have the option to uh, uh to do this on the internet also and to uh, and to and to self publish but with with um, you know, film of this size, it is a full sort of two-hour-long feature, and uh, uh, we we are looking to to get uh, a distribution so that it does go sort of over and beyond uh, what would just be sort of like an internet release or a, or, or a DVD release. So, fingers crossed for that. We're trying to get it into some festivals where there are some distributors who might have an eye on on it. And it's it's a great little piece, and it's a, it's a story you know that hasn't been told, and it's a it's a corner of the world that hasn't really been uh, explored that much in in, in film. So it's uh, it's a Tremendous little um, little opportunity, I think, for someone that uh, that, uh, that that could use a film like this. No, absolutely. Now you are at a. Are you going to have a? Co- are you going to a conference this next week that'll be uh, that you'll be talking about? The film? Uh, we've actually, yeah, we just we just had it up at uh, at, a, at a convention here in Vancouver called VCon, which was just uh, the weekend past. And um, I would uh, I would uh, maybe direct you guys or to, to whoever is interested to the Facebook page for Beast of Bottomless Lake, and there's there's links to all the different um, uh, interviews that uh, we had done and uh, and more information about the uh, about the film there. Oh, very very cool. And you know, talking about. Conventions? Do you make any convention appearances apart from the Beast of Bonmus Lake? Hmm, interesting. You should mention that. Scott. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, apart from the Beast of Bottomless Lake, which actually was my first convention appearance with, uh, with this particular movie, I have been around to a few of these before in my capacity as Dr. Zelenka from, uh, from Stargate Atlantis. So I've been, uh, I've been doing that for, uh, for a few years now as well. <laughs> uh, and what, what an icon. I, I was a fan of Stargate Atlantis. Loved it. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Was, was that a great show? What it a was. shame. I, I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I just can't believe you put up with Dr. Rodney McKay all that year. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was paid to. <laughs> <laughs> that helps. That helps. That, it does help. But believe me, it doesn't take the sting away. <laughs> oh man. Oh, so what was it like working with what David Hewlett? Uh, I guess, you know how many times I've been asked this question? <laughs> okay. Well, then how is it? No, 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 I don't, I don't know. Actually, I'd be very happy to answer it. It's, uh, it, it's just sort of like, I, I kind of know how uh, Laurel felt when he was being asked about Hardy all the time. Right, right, right. Well, you know, you, you know, your role in there really as, in a sense, the smart doctor that gets beat on the whole time. You know? Yeah, kind of, isn't it? Yeah. And, you know, I kind of felt bad for you. Thanks. <laughs> <Nice. laughs> you know? Yeah. I think that's maybe a reason why maybe the character has resonated with uh, uh, w- with so many people. I mean, who hasn't been put upon and unfairly put upon by uh, 
by you know a megalomaniac, blowhard, uh, egotistical uh, you know boss. <laughs> uh, that pretty much describes him. <laughs> yeah, I guess in in in, in not so, not as many words. Yeah, so it's um, I, I mean working with David has been has has been was of course tremendous, lots of fun. He's uh, he's not like the, uh, the the character. He's a he's a great guy. He's a lot of fun. He's a fantastic actor. We had a lot of fun doing our um, uh, our, our, our scenes. So it was uh, it was just sort of serendipity that it came together. Uh, I mean, I was never really I wasn't in the pilot of the of, of the series. I, I came in in the second episode when uh, of the first season. And um, Brad Wright, who's the producer of the um, of, of of Atlantis, was on set that day and sort of said, "Well, you know what? This is a kind of a character that we've been looking at for for a while." And because uh, Rodney has all the techno babble, and uh, you know, it's easier to sort of explain what's going on if. It's a conversation rather than a monologue, so they they kind of brought me in to um, to sort of share the, the the workload in terms of describing it, and the the dynamic sort of evolved from there. So, yep. so you kind of function as like McKay's confidant, sort of. Yeah, confidant, foil. Uh, yeah, all all of the uh, all of the above. It's basically someone to to to, to share the, uh, the 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 technical responsibilities of Atlantis. Right, right. Now, I mean, you were also as a part of that in SG One then as well, right? Was uh, you know what? There was one crossover episode. Yeah, it was um, the uh, what was it? Uh, oh goodness, I'm. It was I'm, called. I'm, it was I'm, called Pegasus. Uh, Pegasus That's it. Yep. Yeah, yeah, the Pegasus Project. Yeah, that was a crossover episode, and uh, just before SG One went off the air, I think just before its one hundredth, I think it was like the ninety eighth or ninety seventh uh, episode uh, was was Pegasus Project. Yep, and that was the only crossover I did with SG One. Now I know Rodney McKay uh, started out in SG One, right? He was the doctor there before he came over yeah. to. Uh, hey, give me a second. Give, give me a second here. Yep. I need a wonderful three year old son, but he just thinks he needs to get in on the interview. I guess. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't left him watch Stargate Atlantis because the Wraith are a bit scary. They are a bit scary, yeah. And there's lots of explosions <laughs> and stuff. You know, talking about Stargate, we interviewed uh, Tori Higginson this past year. Oh, she's tremendous. I Isn't love Tori. And, uh, and Christopher, yeah. Christopher Hyredall. Okay, yeah, he's great too. Yeah, he's yeah, yeah. Absolute character. He's another uh, – now, now, you're talking about Vancouver. You live in Vancouver? Yes, sir. That's where I'm calling you from tonight. Okay. For some reason I thought, well, I guess, I guess, I guess that's on specific time, isn't it? Uh, yeah, we're at what six thirty now. The sun's yeah. going down right now. Yep, yeah. uh, it's, been, it's been down here for a while, but because we're in the <laughs> where, where are you guys out in uh, Nova Scotia? No, no, we're actually we're actually in uh, Pennsylvania. So in, Pennsylvania, yeah, oh, okay, yes, yeah. So down there. So, Copy but that. Uh, yeah. So where were we at? <laughs> Stargate, I guess, right? Stargate. That's where we were. Yeah, Stargate. Stargate. Um, now, one of our one of our uh, listeners asked, and I don't I don't know where he got the information, but is it true that you needed to be coached on the Czech accent? That's funny. That's a funny. Uh, uh, well, no. Uh, the, the the information is such that I have mentioned before that. Well, I, I mean, I am Czech. I was born in Prague. Uh, I speak Czech at home here with my uh, with my family. But because I grew up on the West Coast, um, I, I don't have the accent native uh, to me. So um, the irony was when the when the part came up of an Eastern European scientist, it was originally supposed to be a Russian guy, actually. And at the audition, I said, "Well, you know, I'm." I am Czech. I speak the language. I, I have I have the heritage. I just don't have the accent. But I, I, I you know I could do the accent because I hear it around me all the time. And uh, that's when the character changed from being a Russian character. That was right in the spec script, right when it first came out uh, from being uh, I think it was Doctor Ruslan or whatever it was or Karpov. That's what it was to uh, Doctor Zelenka. They changed the name and they uh, they changed the nationality to, to Czech. So no, I don't I don't get coached on it. But it's a, it's an accent that I do have to do because I don't naturally have it in my uh, uh, you know, in my in my English, I just have to put on the Eastern European, as it were. Okay. <laughs> right, and I guess what? Uh, uh, well, I guess I guess that's a, Paul, Paul was doing the British accent. Carson Beck. Right? Paul was doing yeah. Carson's yeah. Uh, he's doing the Scottish accent. That's yeah. right, the Scottish accent. That. Yeah. So, uh, and you know, it, it reminded me talking about a show that reminds you a little bit of Trek. The international, uh, the international yeah. cast there has that same feel that. When you yeah. watch a Star Trek episode, not to compare it to Star Trek necessarily, but it does have that same feel. Yeah, yeah, and th- that was actually one of the things that really attracted me to the project when it, when I when I first heard about it is this uh, sort of team of international scientists, and and it it, it kind of the way it started out was a real. Uh, uh, 
sort of take on this the, the Star Trek um, ethos that, that you've just mentioned, you know, the, this uh, collection of humanity, this sort of representation, this sort of test tube of humanity out in the cosmos beyond where we've never, ever been before and unable to come back. I mean, that that is such a, a great starting point for, for any sci-fi show, and I think that's what sort of fans latched onto when it uh, first started out. No, uh, oh, absolutely. Miles, did you have any comments? Yeah, um, I, I still have to catch up on SG One and, and Atlantis, but I did start watching uh, Stargate Universe. Any chance mm-hmm. we could see you uh, make an appearance on? on- <laughs> I just I just talked to uh, <laughs> Joe Malazzi uh, a couple weeks back, saying, "So, what about Zelenka? Right. <laughs> yeah, what's gonna?" And uh, I, I mean, of course, he he said, you know, because of the conceit of the show, um, they're billions of light years away and uh, in, in a different reality. And plus, also, let's not forget, uh, there is a script that has been written, has been written for the uh, much anticipated. Anticipated Stargate movie, uh, in which I understand that uh, I, I do participate. Zelenka is is in it. So, depending on if that ever gets made and what happens, because quite frankly, I haven't read, or I don't think Dave Hewlett or any of us have read the the, the script for the for the movie. So, there's some goings on there. I think that must relate to, or might relate to what is happening on Universe. Yeah, I know that they. Uh, I know IMDb has a Stargate Extinction, but that's been up there forever. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think it was. we were talking with what Miles. We talked with Picardo over a year ago, and he just said, "Oh yeah, that project. It'll happen yeah. someday. It'll happen someday." <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just always up there as 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 in production. So it's the longest running Stargate production ever. Right, right, right. <laughs> it says it's up for 2011. <laughs> right, right. We'll, we'll see. see. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll 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 see what happens. Yeah, I'll let you guys know. <laughs> oh, please do. Well, so tell us what's in the future for for you. Uh, okay. I, mean, well, I, mean, I mean, I mean, you're promoting this movie. That's probably the big thing right now. The Beast of Bottomless Lake. Try to get the word out of that. Yes, sir. Yeah, exactly. Getting the word out on uh, on the Beast of Bottomless Lake. Uh, I just finished a uh, an episode on a television show called Fringe on uh, the third uh, third year uh, third um, season in the seventh episode. Oh, we have that to look forward to. We love Fringe. Yeah, Fringe is pretty fun. Fringe is pretty fun. I like. I love the show, and it was really great to meet Anna Torv and uh, and and John and and all the, all the people on the on the show. It was it was a great experience, and uh, and you play great. Sir, do you play a minister in that one? Is that right? How did? What are you looking at? Yes, I'm <laughs> IMDb man. It's a it's a godsend. <laughs> oh, it's already there, is it? They, oh, okay. they, they, yeah. they mentioned it. I think it says that you're mentioning it, that, that you're doing. Yes. Doesn't it say that? Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Somewhere I read that, but. But yeah, I, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know what their uh, what their policy is on spoilers. So I I, I don't know uh, if I can even say that I'm a minister. But yes, if you if you have that information, then that's exactly who I play. Okay, I play, uh, Reverend Mar- Re- Reverend Marcus. Reverend Marcus, yes, indeed. Yeah. Very cool. So great fun. Uh, it was uh, yet another show that's shooting up here in Vancouver, uh, uh, another sci-fi show. I think it started out in, uh, in in New York, and then they brought it out uh, out here to to, uh, to Vancouver. But a tremendous cast, uh, really fun, and it was, boy, boy, it was... Was it ever nice to to to, to get back uh, into sci-fi world again? I really enjoyed that. Yeah, well, very very good. Well, we gotta soon wrap it up here, but before we go, where can people find out more information about the Beast of Bottomless Lake? Thank you very much. Uh, Beast of Bottomless Lake is uh, online at Provost Pictures, P-R-O-V-O-S-T Pictures dot com. Uh, we're on Facebook also uh, at the Beast of Bottomless Lake, and uh, if you go to my website, David Nickel, D-A-V-I-D-N-Y-K-L dot com, uh, I'm sure there's links to uh, to all of these projects there as well. Oh, very good. And do you have a Twitter? I don't have the Twitter. No, I don't have. <laughs> I don't have the Twitter yet. Okay, on Facebook. Facebook. But Facebook, yes. Yes, very good. All right. Hey, thank you so much for chatting with us tonight. My yes. pleasure, Scott. Thanks, Miles. Uh, and, thanks uh, for a great Yeah, and good luck with the movie. And uh, we will be looking for it coming down the pike. And if we don't get it here in our area, at least a DVD. What do you think? They put nine chevrons on the thing for decoration? No, I'm saying if it had a function, there would be information to that effect in the ancient database. You always say that. Yes, well, because we've already begun to scratch the surface of the ancient database, but that's not what I'm saying this time. Spit it out. I've only got so much time I can devote to these exchanges. Then what if the ninth chevron, instead of sending someone tens or even thousands of light years away, can send someone millions, like across the universe? Okay, you know, when you say stupid things like that, it makes it very difficult for me to respect you. Okay, fine. Enjoy our mission. Thank you, Radek. I'm pretty sure he's being sarcastic. 
Thank you, Ronan. Well, welcome back to the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. We hope you enjoyed our interview with David Nichol. Hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um, before we go, we have a Sci-Fi Five in Five, and this was sent to us via Jen. Jen from New York, and she said, you know what? We got the guy's perspective on movies that maybe for people who aren't into science fiction that 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 you might like, but uh, let's uh, give a girl's perspective on the movies that might be for people that are not into science fiction but are sci-fi movies. So this is her list, and I don't know if there's any particular order, so why don't I start, Miles, and then you just, we'll just kind of partner with this, okay? Sure. All right. Her number one, or in the first one on the list, is Frequency. And she said, I absolutely love this movie. Miles, did you see Frequency? I, I actually own a copy of Frequency. I must have seen this movie over 20 times. It's a great movie. Uh, definitely a tearjerker at the end. Right, that's um, Jim Caviezel and, um, and Dennis, Dennis Quaid, right? Yeah, that awesome movie. Can't say enough good things about it. Yeah, de- and definitely a sci-fi movie, you know, when you right. look at it. So, uh, go do the next one. Uh, Kate and Leopold, uh, I haven't seen this movie, but it is, uh, um, obviously it's a, it's kind of a romantic comedy, but it does involve time travel with, um, uh, what are the actors' names that are in this? I'm losing some major geek cred. Um, uh, Hugh Jackman is in it, and I think Melanie Griffith is in it. Um, oh, that's right. That's right. I, did and, not see, uh, I didn't see that one either. Uh, number three is Forever Young. She had a hard time trying to remember the name of that movie, I believe it was. I didn't see Forever Young. Do you know what it's about? I have. Uh, Mel Gibson stars in it. Uh, he plays a World War II uh, pilot, and uh, what happens is his fiance suffers from some kind of debilitating illness, and she is in a coma. And his friend, uh, uh, I forget the actor's name, but he played Norm on Cheers, um, basically has this cryogenic uh, chamber and he wants to, he's going to wait it out until she gets better. And well, obviously cryogenic chamber, something always goes wrong. And so we see him interacting with, uh, our modern day, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is in it. And I think Elijah Wood is in it also. So that was a good one too. Oh, maybe I'll have to check it out sometime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, late, uh, I guess the next one is go take the next one. I don't know this next one either. Okay. Late for dinner. Uh, Excuse me, since I realize I seem to be going with a time travel theme with this uh, uh, five, and I don't know what the guys liking the movie, this movie, but uh, I still liked it. Uh, so I, 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 this is new to me. I'm going to have to look it up and get some information about it. Yeah, I don't know anything about Late for Dinner. So, mm-hmm. um, now, this one I have seen somewhere in time starring Christopher Reeve and Jane Seymour. It's a classic time travel one where he uses a watch to travel back in time and uh, meet the love of his life. Again, a romantic. It's a slow-moving movie by today's standards, but is a classic movie. And definitely, you know, these are very good movies probably for the female audience goer that may not be a sci-fi buff, but would enjoy these movies. Yeah, uh, my wife actually owns a copy of Somewhere in Time also, and uh, it inspired some popular music. Uh, The theme song was very popular. Yeah, very cool. Thanks, Jen, for sending us your Sci-Fi 5 and 5. And if any of you other listeners want to send us your Sci-Fi 5 and 5, you may do so by sending them to us at the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast at gmail.com. You can also, I guess, Twitter them to us so that we get some long tweets. Uh, or you can just put them on Facebook or call our listener line at one eight 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 five zero eight four three four three. I believe that's it. That's pretty much the show. That's a show. That is a show. And if you haven't done so, check out iTunes. If you can leave us a review on iTunes, that's great. I haven't checked them for a while. So if you left a review, I'm not forgetting about you. I just haven't had time to check. Uh, but thank you, everyone that has left for you. Thank you for everyone that has written in. We are going to put on a separate, put out a separate listener feedback episode. Um, it may not be quite as long as the last one, but we're going to give you our, we're going to read your thoughts and chat about them and discuss them in a little bit. So I believe that's it, Miles. All right. Well, until next time, good night and good luck. We'll see ya. Well, we hope you enjoyed listening to the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. If you want to find out more about the Sci-Fi Diner podcast, please visit sci-fi-diner-podcast.com. 
sci-fi.com where you can find show news, pictures, videos, and many other things about the Sci-Fi Diner. You can also find the Sci-Fi Diner where else, Miles? We have a Facebook fan page and uh, we have very active discussion going on there between uh, Scott and myself and you, the listeners. So I encourage you, please uh, join our Facebook fan page and let's talk some sci-fi. You can find us on Twitter at twitter.com backslash sci-fi diner. You can find me on Twitter. That's uh, Herzog, H-E-R-T-Z-O-G. And I am uh, Son of Worf uh, at Twitter, and I also uh, on uh, Trek Space, uh, Son of Worf at Trek Space. And Lee, and we want to hear from you, so please email us at the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast at gmail.com or call our listener line at one 508 and let us know your thoughts on what you're watching, what you like, what you don't like. We want to hear from you. This is David Nickel, Dr. Selenka from Stargate Atlantis, and you are licking <laughs> You are licking <laughs> That's great. I really need to keep that. <laughs> oh, I don't, but this is a family show. <laughs> right. <laughs> that will live on. You are licking sci-fi diner. Well, you know, maybe it's looking good. I don't know. <laughs>